This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. The 90s were a golden era for black television, and it seems safe to say no other show from that time had quite the same reach and impact as The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Its theme song is instantly recognizable, it catapulted Will Smith to movie stardom, and it remains infinitely memeable. In many ways, it was a goofy fish-out-of-water sitcom, but the series also revealed layers and heft. With humor and occasionally some very special drama, it frequently touched on class and race. I'm Aisha Harris, and today we're talking about The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why Betterment believes cash can be a strategic choice. There are times when the market is volatile, when customers are a little nervous about investing. We came to understand that there was an opportunity to introduce cash as part of an investing strategy and to give back yields to the customer. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Imagine a house where every room follows a different architect's plan. Doorways don't connect. Staircases lead nowhere. Lost Patients is a new podcast examining our complicated system for treating psychosis, one that loses patients to an endless loop between the streets, jail, and hospitals. We'll ask how it got so bad and how it can get better. Listen to Lost Patients from KOW and the Seattle Times, part of the NPR Network. Joining us today is NPR editorial assistant Letitia Harris. Welcome back, Letitia. Hi, Aisha. Thank you. And also joining us is J.C. Howard, a producer of NPR's How I Built This. Welcome back to you too, J.C. Hello, hello. Quick note, we had some technical difficulties during this recording, so please excuse the audio quality for this episode. Now, the gist of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for the maybe five people who don't know this is <laughs> Will Smith plays Will Smith, who was born and raised in West Philadelphia. He gets in one little fight on the playground with a couple of no-good guys, and his mom sends him to live in the Bel Air neighborhood of Los Angeles with his rich Auntie Vivian and Uncle Phil, played by Janet Hubert and James Avery. Now, Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil have three children of their own. Tatiana Ali plays Ashley, who's the youngest and innocent one. Karen Parsons plays Hillary, the oldest and a spoiled valley girl. And Alfonso Ribeiro plays Carlton, a prep school nerd who idolized Bryant Gumbel. There's also Jeffrey, their cool and collected Black British butler, played by Joseph Marcel. And of course, there's the other Aunt Viv, played by Daphne Maxwell-Reed. Reed replaced Hubert for seasons four through six after Hubert and the show's producers couldn't come to an agreement on her contract. The show was created by Andy and Susan Barowitz, and it ran for six seasons after its premiere in 1990. 
It's been rebooted as an hour-long modern-day drama called Bel Air. We'll be talking about that new iteration in an upcoming episode, but today is all about the original. So, Leticia, let's start with you. What is your relationship with The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Okay, so The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air actually went off air before I was even born. Um, And actually, before I was even thought. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Well, I'm glad we have multiple generations (laughs) represented here. (laughs) I've seen every single episode at least, like, four or five times. Like I watched the reruns on Nick and Knight, TBS. Um, I can recall many of the jokes, like visually, like line delivery, facial expressions. It's all imprinted on my brain. I grew up in like white suburbia and my mom wasn't around a lot. So like, this was like (laughs) my second family. Mm -hmm. So I'm very like comfortable with these characters. I'm very fond of them. The show is just very endearing to me. I'm I'm very protective of it (laughs) for Mm -hmm. some reason. I'm not realizing it's just very sweet. Yeah. Thanks for making both me and JC feel yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, truly, I'm truly. So sorry. It's okay. It's all right. This is what happens. Time passes. Whatever. Yeah, it'll happen more and more as the years go by. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. JC, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I did watch it as it was coming out. Mm-hmm. I will cop up to that. But I also, you know, in preparation for this, went back and Rewatched a lot of it, honestly, more than I was planning. I was planning to just go back and rewatch a couple episodes just to like refresh it in my mind. And it turned into like a binge watch yes. session of watching like many, many episodes. These are Pringles. You can't stop mm-hmm. at just one. Oh, you cannot stop. <laughs> Once you pop, that's it. And the first thing that struck me when I was revisiting the show is just how cool Will Smith's character is. I don't know if it's the confidence. Or what it is, but I when I went back and I, I started with the first episode and I did like a smattering of episodes from across the seasons, but Will is somehow both relatable and cooler than I could ever hope to be, even now, <laughs> right? Like I, when the show came out, I think I was like two years old. So I was alive, Letitia. So there, there's that. <laughs> the thing is, even now, 30 years later, I'm still just like, this guy is dope. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is like super cool. I wish I could be him. And also the house is super dope, <laughs> which, you know, along with Letitia is making me feel old because I'm now looking at the house and thinking like, wow, that's a good spice rack. <laughs> It's not perfect because it was the 90s and there's always going to be problematic moments when you are talking about things from the 90s. But 80% of the jokes still hit to me. Yeah. I feel like the show has this energy that I don't, I don't even remember it being there, but it has this like high octane almost feel, which is probably because I get to watch it without commercials now. But <laughs> even still, it just works. Yeah. Uh, and, and I feel like timeless media from the 90s is pretty rare and, you know, admittedly because of the fashion. But, you know, Fresh Prince, I feel like, just still works. Yeah. It's definitely one of those shows that I was also rewatching a bunch of it. And there are certain episodes where I could probably just reenact the whole thing myself. But (laughs) I was still laughing out loud at so many moments and really, really appreciating just, like, all the chemistry that this cast had and how, like, rare that is to find like you said there are a lot of things that date it especially even a lot of the celebrities that date it like there are sometimes people who show up and i'm like i don't know who that is like (laughs) or i don't remember (laughs) but i really think that this show what makes it so special in some ways is obviously the charisma of will smith you know we have this new iteration of fresh prince and i think what a lot of people are pointing out is that like the fresh prince was always kind of I wouldn't say woke, but they were tackling Mm -hmm. a bunch of different issues in very comedic ways. And they don't all hold up. Or sometimes it was kind of done in a neat and tidy way. You got 20 minutes. That's all you get. Yeah. Obviously, like, 
this was also the era of the very special episode. So like every sitcom was tackling things like Family Matters, all these other. But I think what makes this different is that it wasn't gauzy and kind of like gooey in that way. There was always sort of an undercut that happened even when we were having these like deep moments, whether it is Will and Carlton being pulled over and Carlton suddenly learning what racial profiling is. Or even there's like a great moment where at one point they go to court and Jazz is one of the, uh, who's played by DJ Jazzy Jeff, obviously is on the stand. (laughs) You can put your hands down, Jazz. I'm putting my hands down now. Because this is in the era of the LA riots of Rodney King. So knowing that like the way in which it does these things so with that biting humor, I think is what makes it work still today. Yes. Like are there any moments in particular that stand out for you when it came to the very special topical moments? You know, I I was rewatching obviously and I came across the poetry episode <laughs> where Will joins the poetry yes. class to get a bathe. To the left of me, <laughs> cannons to the right. Jeffrey in the dashiki and the afro. I was dead. I was rolling on the floor. It was so funny. Um, but I didn't remember it being a very after-school special episode until the end. And then it does that thing where Will is like, "If you want to learn more about poetry, yeah, yeah. If you'd like to learn more about poetry, you can reach us at <laughs> Psych. We just kidding. Good night, y'all." <laughs> it's like that's exactly what it is like yes you're telling us something you're showing us the meaning of poetry connecting with your family all these different things it's just so well done I'm actually like shocked and amazed and inspired by how well it just like blends all the different things it's trying to do so well yeah I would agree I went to lists and said like you know what are some of the best Fresh Prince episodes like kind of crowdsourcing this idea some of the serious ones make those lists a lot And, you know, obviously the show is a lot of fun and then it deals with poignant moments and poignant kind of matters. Like, you know, I I grew up kind of without my dad around. Right. So like and then there's that episode with Will where his dad comes around and like he has this kind of this moment, like he has this moment with Uncle Phil and it's very serious. Right. Like but one of the things that I love about the show is that the jokes don't really stop. Right. Like mm-hmm. like even in those serious moments, especially the one where Will gets shot and like Carlton is, you know, he's really struggling with this having happened to them. And Will is like cracking jokes all throughout, which is part of the tension of the episode. Carlton, Carl, well, man, what do you do? You think it's that easy to just shoot somebody? I close my eyes. <laughs> I was going to eat that, man. It breaks the tension for the audience. So it's like Mm -hmm. this kind of masterful thing where you're keeping the tension in the show by one person cracking jokes and one person not. And then also using that same tension that's in the show to relieve the tension for the audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think about the way this show handles race, especially the dynamic between Carlton and Will? Not always in the best way, but it's an interesting Mm -hmm facet and dynamic of this like idea of black masculinity mm-hmm. and what it means to be a black male like it's inherent from the very first episode when will is like yeah i don't think you need to mistake anyone thinking that you're a brother yeah. and there's another episode i mean this happens several times but but one episode <laughs> that i that really stuck out to me is 72 hours it is an earlier episode <gasps> and 
It opens with Carlton and his buddies, his prep school buddies, all of them white, singing <laughs> the most corny a cappella version of Brick House. And then Jazz and Will come in and they have this exchange. And I want to play a little clip of this. You're so jealous, you're green. All right, but just out of curiosity, Carlton, what color are you? <laughs> oh, here we go again. Look. Just because I grew up in the best neighborhoods and pronounced the I-N-G's at the end of my words doesn't make me any less black than you. No, it's that tie that does it. <laughs> These quips happen all the time on the show. But then every once in a while, yeah. someone else will come in and say like, oh, Carlton, you're acting white or whatever. And then Will will get all defensive. And I just think it's a really mm-hmm. interesting yeah. dynamic that feels realistic, but also yeah. I don't know how much of it is like them portraying reality and how people actually feel about Carlton and how Carlton is versus is it just kind of reinforcing these stereotypes about what like Black masculinity is? Because like Will is always held up as the like cool guy. That is what it is. And Carlton never is, even though he tries sometimes. Yeah. I think it's a missed opportunity, right? Like, there were kids like Carlton growing up, right? Like, there were black kids like Carlton all over the country. And I think that 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 is a place where they they missed out. And to be sure, in the times where they did it, they did it, right? Like, when Will and Carlton are both pledging for a frat. And you have this same kind of tension where someone else, someone from the outside, a kind of one-time character, is doing the same thing to Carlton. The same thing that Will always does. Carlton doesn't exactly exemplify what I think a Phi Beta Gamma is. Oh, and, and what is that? Well, it's not Ralph Lauren shirts and wingtip shoes in corporate America. We don't need a brother like him in this fraternity. Man, he is exactly what you need in this fraternity. By the end, Carlton gets in one good zinger and says, like, you know, the fa- like, I don't have to act black to be black. I'm black. That's the way it is. And it's great. It's great that it does that. But then, of course, there are those missed opportunities where they could have, like, had Will underscore that in those other moments. Like, it's just weird. It's weird for Will to only be coming to the defense when someone else does it and not actually living into it himself. Yeah, I feel like I agree with you, JC. There are a lot of missed opportunities when it comes to, like, really getting into the race dynamics at play here. I remember Quincy Jones in a anniversary coverage article or something mentioned that his drive behind the characters of the show, because I believe the writer's room was primarily white and the showrunners are white as well. Yeah. But Quincy Jones, who executive produced, was like, you need to have duality in these characters. Uncle Phil needs to be someone who's really excited to live on the same block as Reagan, but also someone who's really excited to listen to Malcolm X speak. And when I was hearing that from Quincy, I was like, that makes no sense. Like, why would you even try to have that nuance of blackness? And then the more I watch the show, the more I'm like, I think the thing about Carlton is that his devotion to like assimilation and his devotion to like White supremacy from that simulation um, just makes it a little bit harder for him to connect with everyone else around him. And him being paired against Will as a foil in that way is so smart to me because Will is like pro-Black, pro-Philly, like Black everything all day. And it's really nice to see that in a character on TV. But, you know, you kind of got to pair him with this like little square that's going to keep him in line and (laughs) try to keep Mm -hmm. him in check. And Will is always outsmarting Carlton. So it's like at the end of the day, despite their missed opportunities, like, Oh, I'm going to say something I don't really agree with. Blackness wins. Um, (laughs) And obviously, representation is not the only thing, but it's nice to have it in this, like, serial sitcom format of just being like, we are very, very Black and we come with many multitudes. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, kind of along those same lines, I love that they 
were a proper wealthy black family, right? Like live in Butler wealthy. Mm -hmm. And at the same time as all of that, there is that tension of, you know, Will being streetwise and the family being kind of more uh, stuck up or stodgy. But they were still definitely a black family, you know, and like black with a capital B. Mm-hmm. Like there's that episode when Aunt Viv and I should say Aunt Viv the first or Aunt Viv classic, <laughs> if you prefer. Um, but Aunt Viv turns 40 and there's that iconic scene where she does the dance number that's like, yes. right? In the unitard. It's like Alvin Ailey. It's amazing, right? Yes. And of course, there's <laughs> one of my favorite kind of Uncle Phil moments is when he gets the assist from Jeffrey and he hustles the hustler when Will gets in trouble at the pool hall. Yes. I have to say, I feel like every 90s black sitcom had the pool table episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, like, right? Family Matters had one. Exactly. I'm pretty sure Living Single had one. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, of course. You have to. It's like you had the list and you got to check it off. Yeah. But like, I mean, the family was like rich, yeah. rich, right? But it didn't stop them from being black, black, you know? Like that's one of the things that really impressed me about the show. Yeah. I also think like Carlton is such an interesting, even without Will, he's an interesting character to examine within the context because you had kind of this era where black nerds were everywhere on TV. There's Carlton, mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. was Urkel, and then there was also TJ Henderson on The Smart Guy. Yeah, like, Smart my Guy. Boy. Yeah. We had like three very different examples of nerddom. Right. Urkel was all the way on the, the one end, yeah. infantilized in a way that like is problematic. <laughs> but then, of course, he also had yeah. Stefan to turn yeah. into. So he had that side. Life is about balance. <laughs> yeah. And then TJ Henderson was like a genius, but he was a kid who was like a boy wonder. And then you have Carlton, who yeah. I think, unlike either of those characters, was really his nerddom was also sort of connected to this idea of both whiteness and masculinity and what yeah. that means. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, even though Will mm-hmm. <laughs> will still undercut him till the very end about his blackness, like you learn to love Carlton. Yeah. He is not the enemy. Yes. He is just yeah. a different type yeah. of person. He's just so I really appreciated that. That's right. One of the other episodes I rewatched was the... Queen Latifah episode, oh, which so tackles fat phobia. Look, Didi, I just thought that... You just thought that because I'm not a size six. No one would ask me out. Well, not everyone feels like that. I mean, that's just your hang-up, isn't it? Didi, listen, I really like you a lot, all right? You really like being with me as long as no one thinks you're with me. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's just not good enough for me. At the end of the day, he finally realizes, well, we get along so well. But at the same time... And this is kind of similar with the whole Will Blackness thing in Carlton, where every joke about Uncle Phil is about his weight. Mm-hmm. Every episode. It does That's not right. stop mm-hmm. after that fat phobia yep. episode. In yeah. fact, the the final scene of that episode, they're all sitting on a bed. And uh, I think it's Carl. Someone comes into the room. It's not Uncle Phil. But, like, someone comes into the room, and they're all sitting on the bed, like, the entire family plus Queen Latifah's character. And then, like, the bed just collapses. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I guess this is the case for a lot of shows. They bring up these topics, but then like the rest of the series is not necessarily living whatever that topic is supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching it, when I was first watching it, I should say, I wasn't large. Like all that stuff was just like it was frankly, it was just funny to me. But now I'm like six foot 300 pounds and I'm like, you know. 
there's some bits of this that are like they sting a little bit it's Mm -hmm. like you know i i don't know if if the show were on today if i would laugh at them i still laugh at those jokes now partially because it puts me back to where i was when i was first watching them but i mean it's a sitcom right so like you know there isn't a whole lot of development a lot of the time and i think it's the same problem with like the fat phobia jokes as it is with the race jokes is that you know like you might go on a journey in an episode you might learn a lesson yeah but you're not taking it with you to the next one yeah i just want to say like first of all i'm still so pressed that they were dogging queen latifah in that episode like she was a stunner (laughs) and to be subjected to those fat jokes and will being like she's not fly enough for me like one of the flyest women in the yeah. world, firstly. Yeah. For me, it's just like a gender thing. Like like you said, Aisha, like Uncle Phil being subjected to all these fat jokes the entire time and that being his like core, like easy joke format reliance thing. When it comes to like a woman who's fat on screen, how we treat that body differently and how it's supposed to be a sexualized body and versus Uncle Phil is like not a sexualized body. So it's like this body can be something that's turned into like a lesson, something that's a storyline for the audience. Whereas like with Uncle Phil, it's just like, Mm. That's his character trait. He's fat. Right. It's a joke. Yeah. Fat people are funny. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just think that speaks to like the whole kind of problem with like the Fresh Prince and the way they write women or lack thereof rather. Mm-hmm. It's not fine to watch obviously as a child in the 90s, but it makes sense that, you know, women were underwritten then, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's at least one episode about Ashley and her innocence and Ugh. all the men in her family mm-hmm. trying to protect them. Weirdo <laughs> behavior. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that The Fresh Prince for a while was that show where, like, if you were a Black actress in the 90s, you wanted to get cast as Will's love interest. And so Mm -hmm. you have Mia Long popping up not just once but twice because she was Lisa in the later seasons where they were engaged and almost got married. But then she also showed up in that Queen Latifah episode Mm -hmm. as Will's date. Yes. Yeah. And then there's, like, Tisha Campbell. Who else? Vivica A. Fox. Like, all of these, you know, A-list. Well, now A-list, but, like, on the rise then, Black female actresses were playing these roles. And, yeah, it is one of those things. Like, I realize the more I think about it, I'm like, so much of this show is problematic, yet it's still just works in part, I think, because nostalgia, obviously. But there is this combination of the humor was still so, so on point. The delivery is still relevant and and still feels fresh. And the performances were just really great. Mm -hmm. There's so many iconic moments that we could rattle. We've already talked about Aunt Viv's dance. (laughs) We we haven't (laughs) talked about the Carlton dance. Trevor, Hillary's boyfriend. Not Trevor. (laughs) (laughs) Falling to his death while proposing. (laughs) Like, there's just so many moments. And, of course, there is the the Fresh Prince theme song, which I think to this day has to be one of the most – I don't like to use iconic, but I think iconic is, like, super – applicable here (laughs) and we actually got a question from a listener about the theme song uh let's hear it hello this is henrik hansen calling from maidstone in kent in england in the uk my question regards the fresh prince of bel-air theme song and it's simply this is it the best recap theme song ever where does it stand next to the Beverly Hillbillies, for instance, or the Jeffersons. Please discuss. Thanks. Love the show. I mean, iconic is, in fact, a good word. There are a lot of shows that kind of live into this legacy of great stories in the opening theme. Um, mm-hmm. As has been mentioned, Beverly Hillbillies, Jeffersons, I'll say Gilligan's Island, The Nanny, Brady oh. Bunch, like all of these <laughs> tell us some pretty good stories. But the Fresh Prince theme, 
I mean, it had its own Super Bowl commercial this year. But I want to play a clip here from a live performance that Will Smith gave in 2005, where he asked the crowd to sing the theme with him. And I just want to note the electricity of this moment. (laughs) Now this is a story. I love that they mix that up with Switch. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? And this is a decade after the show's last season, right? It's it's like if I asked you guys to sing the theme from Smallville right now, you know? Like, you can't do that. I think the Fresh Prince theme song stands out because you could literally be out in public and guaranteed someone would join in with you. It's an electric song. I just love that theme song because it's a really cool way of teasing, like, Will Smith, the once famed rapper, and introducing Will Smith, the budding Hollywood actor. And it's just like this really great moment of bridging who we know him to be with who he's going to be. And it's just so great. And like, not to keep using the word iconic, but the reason (laughs) that the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song is so iconic is that I was in a club for a white sorority, like, bid party or something once in college. And it came on in the club and I was like... (laughs) One, why is this here? (laughs) Two, why does everyone know the words? (laughs) I too have heard it in a club setting, a party setting. Like, yes. Yes. It's wild. It's like, that's that's iconic to me. (laughs) It's just great. Maybe I'm forgetting something, but I think it's the last, like, truly, truly great theme song. And it's just great. And also the quote unquote missing uh, verses that were only in like the first episode or two are also great. They are yes. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to know what you think about the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and the theme song. And you can find us at facebook.com slash PCHH and on Twitter at PCHH. And that brings us to the end of our show. Letitia Harris, JC Howard, thank you for being here and talking about The Fresh Prince. Thank you. Thank you so much, Aisha. <laughs> this episode was produced by Candace Lim, Ramel Wood, and Mike Katziff, and edited by Jessica Reedy. Hello, Come In provides the music you are bobbing your head to right now. And thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Aisha Harris, and we'll see you all tomorrow when we'll be discussing the TV show Bel Air. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. AI may be the most important new computer technology ever, but AI needs a lot of processing speed, and that gets expensive fast. Upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts.